1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. So it's a hosts only episode. Just us. Just us. Yes, just it is. well, just three, three of us. us too. We don't even have our cupboard master Ken with no, us. So Ken, Ken, we miss you Ken very much. Is working. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just Amanda and Allison here. Uh, and so. I thought what we would do is have a conversation inspired by an old favorite song of ours. I don't, I haven't really talked to you about this, but I'm assuming it's an old favorite song of all of ours or many of us, because <laughs> many of us know this. Do you remember that? You remember Sesame Street? Oh, of course. You What's watched it that? a lot? I did. Did you watch it? You're... <laughs> what do you mean did I watch it? Well, I don't know. It was you're... on PBS. So it was like, so it was you didn't even need viewing. cable to watch it. It was So great. you remember like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Is that Sesame Street? Yeah. Okay, that's Sesame Street too. Because there was one called Electric Company as well. Oh, no. Yeah, see, I'm really And also old. Grover. Near? Near? Well, I got like a great reintroduction to it when, when my oldest, about 10 years ago, was like watching it and stuff like that. So like even just like the guest stars, they had like they had Janelle Monet on there. It was just great. Um, yeah. Still good quality content. Still. So we're going to get, you know... Something nostalgic. in people's minds and their ears right now, because the song that we're talking about particularly as the theme for this episode is These Are the People in Your Neighborhood. Uh, you remember that? Oh, yeah. Here, Here we have it, don't we? Uh, Here's a little yes. segment. You know, there are all kinds of interesting people that live right around your neighborhood, like, oh, the postman and the policeman. Hey, did you order these uh, groceries here? Oh, hi there. Why don't we do that song about the people in your neighborhood? Well, I'd rather not, actually. Oh, come on. It's a nice song. <laughs> well, okay, but you I'll start off. All right, I'll start off. Well, now, who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood? In your neighborhood? Say, who are the people in your neighborhood? The people And then this one's the grocer, right? Yep. As long as you look like the grocer, why don't you tell us what a grocer does? As long right. as you look like one. Because he wasn't a real grocer. Yes. Oh, a grocer sells the things you eat, like cereal and cheese and meat. Yeah, so. What <laughs> and it keeps going. And that's, it does. you know, it does. that's a lovely lo- little episode right there. So we can just was, like stop right now. Well, I feel like, like very warm and fuzzy inside right now. I feel right like now. I need a bowl of cereal right now. And to some degree, <laughs> it, was, it was part of the virtue of Sesame Street that it wasn't, you know, a kid's story um, or a kid's book set on a farm here's here's a chicken and here are these like well, you know yeah. the things that it was urban yes, right it was it was, was a city yeah. it was uh, and so the idea here is you're meeting people in, in your neighborhood, neighborhood which uh most of them all of them i don't know i don't rem- i don't have the whole catalog in my mind or in my memory but most of them are identified by occupations i think it was I jobs think so the firefighter yeah. and the painter and the plumber yeah so doctor We'll talk a little bit about jobs and vocation a little bit, but I thought that it would be a nice thing to introduce our theme for this episode that we could call these are the people in our neighborhood. That sounds way not nearly Mm. as good. (laughs) 
Because one of the things that was good about these are the people in your neighborhood is that there are people like outside of your experience. They're not just the regular people. Yes, there people. is like a broad, a yeah, broader spectrum. In your family, in your community. And, yeah. But as we start the fourth season here of Rector's Cupboard, one of the things that uh, comes to mind for me, I think for all of us as we've thought about this, is we're through the the work of this podcast and the larger nonprofit that it's connected to, we're meeting a lot of people. We're we're yeah. discovering who's in the neighborhood of this kind of work, right? The neighborhood of hopeful faith. Uh, some people label things like exvangelical, the world of deconstruction and faith. Th- there's like right. it's like Venn diagrams that things kind of cross over. In some ways they're similar, in some ways there's difference. Yeah. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of so overlap. But there's also a lot of people. There, there are. are. There are. Yeah, so if you look, we could look back and think about the people in our neighborhood in terms of who we've interviewed over the last number of years, right? Poets. Yes. Um, Susan Alexander. Susan Alexander. Yeah. And, and Padre Gotuma. Gotuma. I think of artists like Makoto Fujimura, and I think of really amazing theologians like uh, Dr. Willie Jennings. That yeah. was a great mm-hmm. one. And John authors, Swinton, Monica yes. Coleman. Authors like uh, Catherine Stewart. Linda K. Klein. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> and people, we're probably forgetting some really yeah. good ones. Absolutely. And people a little closer to home like John Radford doing work of reconciliation and mediation. Um, so there's like professional people in, in the neighborhood of in the work that we're doing. But then there's just like lives lived, people who they might not have written a book or published. Yeah, a, like I think know, people like Kurt Allison. Kurt Allison, who, yeah. And my mom. Local pastor, your mom. Um, my mom. <laughs> Yehuda. Yes. Jessica Leslie telling yeah. a story of her upbringing and, uh, well, and, and some Heidi of the difficulty Groot. and abuse. Heidi Groot in terms of like evangelicalism and some of the restrictions there. Um, I wasn't even thinking of our cupboard master, our lovely friend Ken Bell, um, who in some of those pastoral conversations we were having with David Goa um, was speaking about some of his work, like chaplaincy and the rest and other things. And then spiritual guides and mentors. Um, I guess Goa. most particularly yeah. David Goa, who's, and then people like Will We've got Willeman a big soft well. spot for David. Um, and then there's <laughs> I do in particular. I mean, I could be presumptuous and say you guys do as well. There's, um, there's more recent, like, we just in just in this room just within the last couple of weeks uh, hosted Nelson Boschman and he did a oh. wine tasting for us so he's a wine enthusiast not yes like not a an he was very careful although he seemed very expert to me yeah but I would I mean, comparatively I, I feel like that classifies him. my level of knowledge <laughs> of wine and uh, and it's interesting when when I think about the concept of vocation well not really define it but talk a little bit more about what it means in a few minutes but the thing that matters to you and where you feel connected to the world and maybe making a difference in the world. So Nelson's someone who's a musician. He's been a teacher an instructor, um, spiritual director. Uh, but interestingly, his, his love and interest in wine and vineyards has something to do with his vocation as well. The place where, where, um, he knows he's in a sense most alive, but also can can really help make a difference in the world and connect with people, right? Well, and, and he talked about how kind of the genesis of his, you know, um, passion for, for wine came through friendships, through mm, people. Community. Connection, and yeah. he talks about, you know, uh, the the wine club that he does and just the, the social and the connection and community that, that surrounds that. Yeah, and then and then, you know, it wasn't that long ago 
uh, an episode toward the end of our last season, James K.A. Smith, Jamie Smith, from the editor-in-chief of Image Journal, yes. professor at Calvin College, and his recent book on time, like what it means to inhabit time. I think it's just called How to Inhabit Time, right? Yes, we just mm-hmm. got the book. Yeah. Is that still our current favorite uh, book cover, Amanda? It's beautiful. Oh, 100%. I mean, for me, anyways. The, the content so is great. also good. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I'm I think the cover's to, great. I I'm like the content to, like, even more. I'm not to talk down the content, yeah, but the, like the cover's no, the striking. cover's fantastic. But, but so much of this speaks to vocation. So not, not simply occupation, right? But vocation, that yeah, place yeah. where that which most interests you or where you feel most useful or gifted or whatever it might be, talented, uh, most alive, where that connects with the need of the world. Um, and so I just thought of that in terms of the Sesame Street thing, that the <laughs> people in your neighborhood, just identifying occupations. But one of the things that, you know, if there's only five, six, seven, whatever things that we really are addressing through whatever topic we're talking about in, in the podcast and in much of our other work, one of them certainly is vocation. Yeah. Um, what it means to find meaning, purpose. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But I thought a nice way in would be to talk about this news story that we've mentioned. Um, and that's the news story uh, in the Washington Post that I think it's just today or yesterday. Uh, um, it's dated on September 22nd. So yesterday. So yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so And it's Canadian. It is in the Washington Post. It's in the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. It's we a major exist. Story. <laughs> we um, exist in... <laughs> so... Summarize it. What what's the story about? What's the headline? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the headline alone is is it, it grabs you. A boy with cancer hoped to see monsters. Hundreds of strangers showed up in costume, and yeah, it's a story about a family in Hamilton. Um, they've got a few kids, and their their little guy, when he was almost a year old, was diagnosed with brain cancer, mm-hmm. um, and it was a terminal diagnosis. Um, he's gone through tons of treatment, and uh, recently found out four years later, so he's yes, five he's now, five now. Um, that the treatment's no longer working and the doctors are saying days, weeks. if weeks. Yeah, if. very and yeah, imminent. Heartbreaking. Um, so mom had asked this little guy, Alex, um, you know, what, what is it that you'd like to see or do? And his response was Halloween. I want to see monsters. I guess he had gone to Niagara <laughs> Falls and gone to a, a haunted house. Oh, is that what it was? And it really resonated with him. And all he wanted to do but was they go couldn't back. go back. They can't go back because no. the doctor said just you can't go too far from home. Well, then even though they just found out that the treatment's not working on September 11th, yeah. they found that out. They're already saying like to go from Hamilton to Niagara and also is won't not maybe advisable. make Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. October's too far. So a good friend of the family. Um, heard about his desire to see monsters in Halloween and thought, you know what, let's just bring Halloween to him. So her thought was to make a haunted house in their backyard. And she took to a local Facebook group, like a little community like group. A mom's or Again, community. neighborhood, yeah. right? Go, go to the local group on Facebook and say, this is really time sensitive, guys. We want to make a haunted house. Can you help? And the flood of offers of decor and costumes and pumpkins and all of those things was so overwhelming that she ended up creating like a Facebook event so that she could invite even more people. And that blew up even further and became kind of a viral story in the community. And so then it turned into a parade and the entire street became decorated. Um, People brought pumpkins to line the street yeah. and offered to decorate neighbors' realized, houses. When and she realized that there could be hundreds of people coming, she engaged with the local um, 
community to make sure the street could be shut down. So now it's really turned into a thing. And they anticipated maybe 300 people. And they think almost 1,000 people people. showed up. Um, So they blocked off the road. And uh, one of the quotes I just thought was so great um, was from the father of Alex. And he said, his son watched in awe as a swarm of strangers, many with their pets, paraded through the streets dressed in spooky costumes. There were zombies, witches, monsters, and skeletons. Inflatable decorations decked the streets. And local police officers and firefighters and trucks also made an appearance. That's amazing. It's amazing. Like the the neighborhood. The photos are something in there too, right? In the story. Um, there's a photo of the kind of like the the wall of people in this yeah, in this it's parade. It's almost overwhelming. And then there's another photo of Alex, like Alexandros, like the, mm-hmm. the Greek background, I would think. And uh, and he's got like what does it say? I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me. The amazing Alexandros or something. And he's got yeah. these like medals, and yeah. it's really one of these like touching stories. Yeah. You talk about the way the community shows up. Yeah. And a lot of stories that resonate with other people, either from their own personal yeah. loss or struggling with their own cancer diagnosis or things like that. Yeah. People um, like, yeah, I think there's a quote in there of a woman who'd lost a child mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and what this meant to her mm-hmm. as well. To she be able to bring that to Alex and his family. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's just so amazing. And, and I think, you know, what I wanted to connect with this to, to the concept of vocation, um, you know, to come at it from the, from the negative angle, uh, I'm riding my bike the other day, just along road, not far from here. And I noticed, so it was like, you know, September 16th. So I don't know, whatever, not, not, not long ago. And I look to my right and there's this front yard in this house and it's totally decked out for Halloween. Like Already? everything. Yeah. So well over a month in advance. <laughs> Feels early. And it's just, it does. And what does somebody it's like, like me do? I like, I roll my eyes, right? I'm like, it's too early. It's ridiculous. Whatever. Like, wow. Why are people so weirdly into like, you know, Halloween things and scary things and whatever. <laughs> but then this kind of story is a bit of a corrective because when I was reading it too, Amanda, you mentioned this, um, she puts the word out. And then people are like, see it, and then say, I have a ton of, like, that kind of person, the person who decorates their house way, in my mind, too early, says, that's the kind of thing that I love to do, Mm -hmm. I can go, I can help, and then it just, it kind of schools me a little bit in in kind of those, that roll your eyes kind of thing that we can do, I'll still do it, by the way, but, (laughs) but, you know, and, and then these people show up, and for this unbelievably positive reason right um to maybe make this boy and this family feel better right um the end of the article is interesting as well it, it's not um it, it does it, there's not a nice bow on the end of it right because it's it's ultimate it's a sad story yes even even though that incident is so amazing this and family is about to experience profound loss. Yeah, and so yeah. many people show up. Um, and I think the dad says that at the end. Where, where does he say it? Um, he basically says, like, in, in reference to all these people showing up. Yeah, amid the most painful point in his life, he and his family are feeling gratitude for all the support. But, like, he's acknowledging, yeah. like, they are currently in that moment. Uh, well, and I love the line. He said, the, the dad, I believe, said, it doesn't make you feel better. Uh, yes. Mm, mm-hmm. but, but at it, least you know you're not at alone. At least you know you're not alone. It's communal grieving. Uh, no, mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about like uh, my faith and and my semester has started back up. So now I'm back into like reading a bunch of stuff and all those sorts of things. And, and one of the things that's come out already um, in many of my courses is talking about the concept that um, 
like of community within faith and that we are not saved for ourselves. We are saved for the other. And it's always about that interconnectedness. And when you say the line, like, we're not alone, it makes me think of, is it uh, Blue Rodeo? Who's like, and if we're lost, we are lost together. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always this um, toward the other aspect of faith. And for vocation, that matters a great deal. So obviously, if any any people listening have listened for any amount of time, they'll know that um, Karl Barth's theology informs a, a great deal of what we, we do, particularly when we're talking Carl about, yeah, <laughs> particularly when we're talking about hopeful theology, changes the the kind of, the tasting. he's known as the cheerful theologian. Um, and in terms of, in terms of vocation, Bart, you know, it's, it's making it super basic, but said that, you know, faith for him, Christian faith, particularly is not mostly about salvation. Uh, he, he said it's mostly about vocation in other words, the purpose is not to like rescue you from something. The purpose is always this vocational call outwards to the other. Yeah. Um, Doesn't Will Willman also talk about that a lot? Yes, like in, like that from that Bart in, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but he builds on it and he talks about how with with salvation comes responsibility. Yes, mm-hmm. and and yeah, no, in, in like a healthy way. Yeah, and I think what. The difference, say, in my, like, the, the understanding that I saw in many evangelical circles of faith was that everything was about, you know, who's in, who's out, what mm-hmm. the kind of line, the getting saved. Well, this intense focus on salvation, like this is a departure. Yeah, from going to heaven only or something. On that so thing. the end was like this, this mm-hmm. rescue, this kind of. Yeah. With this, with this way of understanding, which is certainly just as biblical, we would argue uh, more biblical. The, the concept is that that the heart of it all is vocation. So the end is not a closed-off end. It's this open, always moving. So Bart would further say, so maybe to use this Halloween theme, um, if you think in terms of like the curse, whatever a curse is on the world, so darkness, sin, death, evil, like whatever it is that we're, you know, we're battling or God is battling or something, however, however your mind works, right? Whether it's, you know, it, it's everywhere. It's popular mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. it's Marvel movies, it's, you know, whatever the opposition is, whatever the curse is. Uh, Bart says that uh, Christian faith is witness to the removal of the curse. He talks about, you know, guilt upon guilt, uh, always adding to misery. And that what has taken place in Jesus Christ is the removal of the curse. So then he further says that the address of the Christian to the world is therefore a joyful address. So I put that together with this little Halloween story of Alex in Hamilton. And I'm like, those people, uh, whoever they were, and I'm sure some would claim Christian faith and many would not, um, they were making this joyful address against the curse, mm. against like in, 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 the, in the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. Um, it, just, it just adds kind of more fun to it and... And like meaningful silliness <laughs> that zombies, they're dressed up when as yeah. skeletons. As soon as I saw like with pets and stuff, I just imagined like the dog with like the spider costume on. Oh, I was thinking. Well, you're of hearing the, the people in our neighborhood the, right now. <laughs> I was studio. thinking of like the little dog with the wiener and like the little like hot dog thing, and it like yeah. I have I have several in my imagination. Yeah, <laughs> or the bat ears and wings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, it's joyful. Is it joyful noises? It's. One of the, 
I hope we got that you're the best brother in the world is what that little kid was screaming outside the studio. <laughs> oh my goodness. Joyful. <laughs> I hope. Those are like the neighbor kids and, and he's not always saying you're the best brother <laughs> in the world. That's it. Yeah, that's a joyful, aggressive <laughs> address. My son does joyful aggressiveness sometimes. The, um, I'm familiar. The, it's it's a corrective though because vocation then is not only for Christians, right? That like here's the job that Christians have to convince other people of things or to uh, as if it's some colonial missionary project, right? Which I know I'm just looking at you, man, because I know <laughs> that was like a so, closed eye, well, deep so, breath. <laughs> so many of the things that in in the culture that we were part of and that we've we were formed in mm-hmm. and that we are grateful for, yeah, you know. There's parts now that we're like, oh, yeah, it really was a sense of, like, we know what everybody else needs to know. Oh, yeah, so and we should the tell them that. Strategies and we need to fix you. you. And right. they're going to be super grateful that we made sure that they were corrected. Right, yeah. which is, by definition, a, a kind of colonialism. Oh, it's, it's a way of... What do you mean by kind of? It kind was. of. Yeah. And <laughs> Let's just be frank <laughs> about that. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. So you have, you have the, the concept of vocation. Where more than just so you talk, uh, we talked earlier about vocational training. What is vocational training like? Well, what does it, it it's mean? yeah, like the word vocation and job or career is used interchangeably often in culture, and the way you're describing vocation is different than that. It's not the same thing. Your job doesn't have yeah, to be so your you vocation. Yeah, so you say your vocation is a grocer or a plumber or a yeah, exactly or a doctor or whatever. Um, which I guess That's the not difference always true. we're saying... It could be, but it, it is can, not always. But they're not the same thing. You could find your vocation in being a grocer. Sure, yes. But, but being a grocer is not it's in not itself vocation. a vocation. It's not the vocation, that's the yes. job. Yeah. 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 And, and so the, the, that place where, again, as we said before, your humanity and the things that interest you, that you care about, that connect with the need of the world. Now you're beginning to get to vocation, things of meaning and purpose. And and if we're talking about something different than colonialism, right, um, or that superiority of the kind of, you know, missionary concept at times, the, the negative of the missionary concept, um, vocation then is a thing that, well, Bart would say this, it's, it's not only for supposed you know, Christians or he didn't like the, the he didn't like the terms believer or and un- unbeliever. Um, but he would say vocation is is for everyone. Well, I mean, the the way I think I would understand it is vocation is something that we have as creation, as creatures. And all of us are creatures. That's which well, means but, all yeah. of us have vocation. Which again is a departure from job. Not it everybody sure has is. a job. Those who no. are retired can still... Yes. Right? Well, and I think that, that in the the kind of productivity and capitalist-driven society that we live in, those things get conflated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, you end up having people that either they, they are unable to work due to health concerns, um, they are retired, or maybe they choose not to work. It doesn't, like, maybe that's just what needs to happen in their family dynamics, those sorts of things that it can be really easy to then feel like you don't have purpose because you're not quote unquote contributing to society. And right. I, I feel like that. Or that concept that like find the thing you love and do that from which most people mm. can do. No, I think that there needs to be kind of a nuance to say like, it is okay if, if your job is not your vocation, there right. are people for whom they need to be able to 
pay their bills, buy food, like put clothes on their kids' back or their own backs. And, and so like they need a paycheck. And, and what they're doing right at that moment is, is, you know, it gives them maybe the extended medical benefits that they need or it gives them the paycheck. Um, they're not, a, not everybody is able to follow their dreams. I think it can be great when your job and your vocation overlap. That doesn't always happen. And so I, I feel like it can sometimes be a little bit of a, well, like a toxic positivity kind sure. of thing that can well, that can come into that because then it should be if somebody has a job that they're not particularly happy in but is stable and is doing what they need to do for life then I they can feel that badly can, that, that they're not mindset finding can joy. also negate like you can have that job that maybe doesn't bring you great joy but it gets the bills paid and does mm-hmm. the thing but outside of that job yeah that's there's fine. so much more in your life and that's where the vocation is perhaps through uh, who knows even the volunteering or just a thing that you do um, Do you remember when um, you used to have to go into the gas station to pay for gas? Vaguely. <laughs> yeah. It's not that long ago, right? It was quite um, a while. But, you know, now, and so many things. We used to go to, you know, a record store, a music store, and buy music. You used to go to a bookstore and buy books. And I you had to talk to people often. You had to talk to like somebody. <laughs> you would ask somebody about the book. Happy you place have, for Amanda. You know, so yeah. some of the, so, I'm certainly not romanticizing the past, but some of the... Um, the places of interaction get get lost. I remember those, and for some reason, it, it can be a romanticized kind of view, but it's also true that I remember when you used to have to go into the gas station every time to pay for gas. There were a couple gas stations locally here where there were a few workers that I can remember were just amazing, mm-hmm. like the person at the at the till, mm-hmm. and and clearly, I would I would say they were driven by some sense of vocation. Like they got to talk with people constantly, you know, people who aren't necessarily at their best, Who, pe- but I would leave these pla- some of these places and I, I would leave or some of these people I can think of and think, they're, they really are helping people to feel better. They're having positive interactions yeah. mm-hmm. as much as they A possibly the can. And I can... So it's it's interesting the the places this can come up, um, and I think f- in faith one of those other things like I like Allison your words about vocation and creation, um, because then in hopeful Christian theology then the piece would be not only do you determine like you know what's the will of God for your work or whatever it is <sighs> this kind of thing right that that a Christian impulse in faith would be to see those places where other people are working out positive vocation and that's why a story like this for me i don't know how that's why a story like this makes me cry because i look and go those people some people who just loved halloween and decorations which is not me (laughs) right Um, i don't dislike it for any religious reason it's just like wow you're really going all out on that but so people who love that hear this child and this family who are saying this and and they're like we can go and i'm like that's, this is a thing I can do. That's an example yeah. of something meaningful. And and the Christian kind of impulse, or we would say in Christian faith, the impulse not only to think, what is it that we have to discover that we can do, da, 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 but you know, how can we recognize this good in other people, whether they believe what we believe or not, right? That this yeah. is a reflection that does have to do for us, we would say, with our faith. Bart would say the community of Jesus Christ is for the world, not against the world. It's say for each and every person, for the person of every age and every race, right? So when I think of like, these are the people in our neighborhood, um, 
uh, and many of the names that we've already mentioned. Um, I think whether whether there's an awareness of this, many of them are informed by kind of Bart's theology and stuff, like when you, many of those names we, we listed, mm-hmm. not all. Um, but when you think of those people, I think they're, they're um, demonstrating some of these positive things we're speaking about. Many of those rigid lines are down, and they're seeing like the way that other people, again, even people who don't think like we do, are you know, acting out this, this positive vocation in the world. Um, so I thought we'd talk then for a few minutes, and we want to do a promo for um, Fantastic yeah, Conference we have coming why up. Don't we do that? We'll do that. Well, let's, yeah, well, and well, we'll yeah, I've introduced it now. Yeah. And, and <laughs> we'll, we'll, do, we'll do conference, and then it's we'll like go to the farm. Yes, no, we'll, we'll keep people, like, stick around. Um, so we will shamelessly self-promote because, I mean, we think that it's a good conference. We have a conference coming up on November 11th and November 12th at Epiphany Chapel on the UBC campus with Dr. Hillary McBride. In Vancouver. In Vancouver. Um, it is called Not Ashamed Toward a, a Healthy View of Self and Sexuality. And we want to discuss, or our, our thought behind putting this conference together is we're wanting to create a place where we have presentations, conversations, um, sharing of people's stories that help inform healthy views of self, healthy views of sexuality, healthy views of body, as we have all witnessed, um, more particularly from an evangelical theology, although they don't get to be exclusively it's to blame for of, that. Kind of everywhere. <laughs> it's really everywhere. It like beyond that. The some, ways, some are late to the game. <laughs> <laughs> the ways in which... Um, how we have been connected to ourselves, how we have understood ourselves, how we have understood our sexuality as as people, the damage that that has caused. And we want to talk a bit about that. We want to talk a bit about ways that we can heal or begin healing. Like, I, I don't want to sell this as like, I'm not trying to be like a snake oil salesman and be like, we can, you come here and you'll be fixed. <laughs> um, we're hoping that that there there is a positive place that people can leave from these conversations. Mm-hmm. We're, so, we're wanting to provide a place to to acknowledge what has happened. We're going to be discussing kind of how we even ended up with some of these concepts. Um, and then we're going to Have you talk- mentioned our keynote? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So, so uh, Dr. McBride is going to be doing a couple of presentations, both on the Friday evening and on the Saturday. And we she's going to be talking about embodiment. She's going to be like, it's, it's going to be good. Uh, you can register at rectorscupboard.ca. It's on our social media, on our Instagram, on our Facebook. Google it. If not, like just... Well, and right now we don't have plans to do uh, virtual or to record. No, this is in-person so only. It is in-person. So people are in and around Vancouver at that time or could can be here. You know, the way I think of it is like we've just been talking about moving past these kind of um, colonial ideas and some of those rigid lines. Uh to, to be pretty direct, like many of us know the need to move past some of the damaging, rigid, um, exclusivist views of gender and sexuality and stuff that have, have I would argue, prevented uh, the church and at, and at times just individual Christians, people of Christian faith from really demonstrating like the fullness of of the love of god yeah. and mm-hmm. and so our hope is that this could be a piece of like let's move forward it's not a it's not a polemic thing like come to our side or to but it is no. you know it is like let's let's see if we, how, how much we can get 
past some of these arguments. So yeah, it'll be fantastic. You've mentioned how people can register. Um, and if we'll you want to do some pre-reading, I highly recommend The Wisdom of Your Body. The Wisdom yeah. of Your Body, Hillary McBride. Which is Dr. McBride. Yes, her most recent book. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's really good. Well, and we'll have books there as well yep. and a book signing, I believe. Yeah, she, Hillary will be doing a book signing. And so we'll have Hillary's, um, her latest book, The Wisdom of Your Body, as well as we'll have her previous book, um, Mother's Daughter's and Body Image, uh, as well as a few other suggestions that she has given us for great content. We, we want to be able to have a place where we can provide some resources for people because I know for myself, there, there at least has been a point where I'm like, I know that I am not okay with how this is, but I don't know even where to begin right. to look well, forward. Well so, so we are wanting to offer um, resources that people can, can purchase and things that they can look at um, so that they can have something to, to, to start some of those processes mm-hmm. of moving forward. Yeah, sometimes you, it, you feel unsettled, but you can't articulate it. And some well, of these books can And you don't know what's that. good yeah, yeah exactly. this is all, this is all stuff go? that is recommended mm-hmm. from Dr. McBride or stuff that we have had personal experience and yeah. we will vouch for that we think is good resources and content. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really excited about it. We've actually been in conversation with Dr. McBride about doing this conference for two years, but because of COVID, we kept delaying it. So the fact that we can do this and Epiphany Chapel has just had some renovations and it's super beautiful. So we're really excited yeah. to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think it's a great place to have some good conversations. Um, so register at rectorscupboard.ca. We would love to see you guys there. Thank you. Um, now back to the show. Now back to the show. <laughs> For um, those of you who stuck around. So we'll end on the farm because our, our, our episode after this one is going to be um, a little bit of a produced, edited version of our Well, we've got a couple of episodes tour. from this. So, I th- yeah, uh, yeah, a couple episodes, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and so in July, the three of us went to Alberta. We did. To near Calgary, which is like, you know, Houston, Canada or something like that, like oil and... We discovered uh, how much Todd loves the Calgary Tower. And like uh, more conservative views, like Mm -hmm. expressions of Christian faith and such. But we met these um, three farmers, like, or farming families and individuals. (laughs) um, So, and I I had them listed here because when you think of like people, people in our neighborhood... um, Farming has not really been part of my life, even though a couple generations back, you know, Weep. it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say your last um, name can't escape from that. that. But so we met Marcus and Sarah first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of these people are regenerative farmers. Um, then we met, we met Rod next, didn't we? But I want to talk about Rod last. Yeah, um, we, we met did. Jeremy. Yes, and, who who has a bunch of yaks. I love the yaks. They're great. He fed us. He did feed us yak as well, which is delicious. I will vouch for that. So uh, maybe just as as a little bit of an ad for the next episode or two, and coming from this concept of vocation, what interested you about Marcus and Sarah and what they're doing? Oh, man. I mean, they were so open and welcoming. Um, Mm -hmm. and just showing us around the farm. But one of the things that stuck out was, this was actually a theme amongst all of them, but kind of um, repeated failure. And Mm -hmm. they kept trying things, and the land said no, so they tried something different. And um, almost in anticipation of failure, actually, that they know that when they do this, there's going to be things that go wrong. Um, And they called themselves like amateur farmers. Um, Yeah. 
they had different jobs. Well, um, Marcus was tech and he had I think art. They, yeah, they were both um, in, in tech. And, <laughs> and they, now they race chickens and, and ducks. Pigs. And pigs and cows. And, cows. and grass, with, which with is actually what Marcus was saying that he's like, I grow grass. And really then well. Really well. Yeah. It's beautiful. Because that's what Alberta wants to grow. Yeah. He's like, that's yeah. what the land wants. It wants to yeah. grow grass. But they were very frank about the things that they tried early on and how they just didn't work. Yeah. Um, well, if I recall, Marcus said like, well, first of all, it was astounding to me when he talked about having a hundred year plan. Oh, yeah. For the farm. Well, like, then he revised it to 150 when he started talking about <laughs> the oaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, um, <laughs> so you'll hear about that in the episode. Um, and... And then I think he said, I mean, he might have been referencing his kids, but but the idea that, like, we just want to leave the world a less shitty place. <laughs> um, didn't he say that something like that? It sounds about right. Yeah, that the concept of regenerative farming is not just sustainable. No, to leave it well, it, it's no, more no, than no, that. Because sustainable farming is not difficult enough. So, so you have, Jeremy yeah. was the same. So you have these people who, all three of the people we're talking about, because... We, given the nature of this podcast and stuff. These are people who've come out of some kind or familiarity with some kind of faith tradition and mm-hmm. background, various kind of experiences of experiences of that. But now they've taken up this as a vocation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that you could call it anything else. Like they're the, the level of passion that they have about what they do. Like, right. um, like with Marcus and Sarah, their, their farm is called happiness by the acre and uh, go look at their Instagram and you will see how much they care about their animals. Like they love these animals. Like recently a cow that we met mm-hmm. died and, and just like, it is, it is devastating to them personally because like they feel a connection with these animals and, and they want to give these animals and, and Jeremy was the same, um, they want to give them the best life. Jeremy sings to his yaks. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Like, yeah we've got that on Yeah. The, they on name audio. the hens. Yeah. Most of them have names, even though, you know, their so lifespan isn't Well, huge. when you're thinking about the vocation. The care that they put into this. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and the sacrifice. Like, they're not making money and they're not no. the, from this. But yet, uh, I think it was Jeremy is, a, is an instructor slash librarian as well. Yes. At university. Yes. Um, they all have an intense amount of education Oh, as well. yeah. Super smart. <laughs> <and> <laughs> But clearly this, like, the, the yak, the farm, the, was vocation. Mm-hmm. And then, to end, uh, Rod, who, yeah, um, just such a great person, character, kind of. So he has this um, urban farming thing. It was, like, basically, like, the big section between... Between like the highway. directions of a highway. Yeah. yeah. So they've got like, you know, one heading north and one heading south. And and so remember we were driving to find it. It's like, where do you turn? We and drove like, right <laughs> past it. Because you're driving into the space in between, you know, a highway. Um, and then there's the number of plots of lands, all of land all circular. And he's like, oh, that's where the Iraqi women have their, so there's this like connection to yeah, they recent do immigrants. A, a lot with, with newcomers, either through immigration or refugees uh, to Canada, and they give them um, a piece of land and help them farm it if they want. And a lot of times, they, um, Rod was explaining to us that they will want to plant familiar, a lot of them come from agricultural backgrounds, and so they want to plant some things that are familiar, and he's like, it works sometimes, and sometimes it really yeah, doesn't. Back to what the land wants. Yeah, yeah, exactly, but he's all about, like, we want to be able to 
have a thing that they can do in a place that they can call like well he was a part of this sense. before that that was called the yyc growers or yes something? he's yeah. still yeah. a part of it i mean and i think this he's whole collective does, like, of people things. we went to we went out to like a craft brewery and and then they knew the, each other the the, oh you know so and so you know yes. so mm-hmm. it's like they all kind of connect and um but but in the end uh, and we'll hear it in the episode but one of the things that was most striking to me probably the two of you as well was when rod got talking about the soil he nerded out over soil. Oh my goodness! He's a it was like, it was like not he, just he nerding physi- out, which I agree. He physically changed. There was mm-hmm. a spirituality. Oh, yeah. To his face know, lit up. How important yeah. soil is. The degradation of soil around mm-hmm. the world. Um, their hopes, the regenerative hopes of like of you know increasing the richness of the soil. The kind of. Um, but then you remember how he spoke about soil in kind of vocational slash Christian terms. Oh yeah. No, for him, it was, I mean, he said that some of the things that he'd been considering was the fact, the the Matthew verse of, like, caring for the least of these, and he, he talked about the the microbes in the soil, and he's like, these are the least of these. If we don't care for these, nothing grows. Like, we, when you look at, and and since since we've been, I've looked at some some, like, photos of, like, healthy soil versus, like, soil mm-hmm. that has been depleted and like it, it is stark the yeah. difference and you go it is um it is absolutely astounding the difference between what healthy soil can do like when we're talking about climate change when we're talking about those sorts of things bad soil washes out causes flooding all those sort, like so you go if you don't put the carbon back into the soil like if you don't care for the least of these everything is on the soil mm-hmm. it, it is noteworthy to consider how that all works so i'm grateful for that it is kind of spiritually inviting astounding whatever to think that there is somebody like rod there's very many other people obviously interested in the same thing but that this is a spiritual vocational call something that matters you wind up when you listen for this you wind up seeing the meaningful. You wind up. So you, you get to this place, right, to kind of usher us out. You get to this place where you become grateful for people focused, giving that much attention to something that small but that important or giving that much attention to something so huge or somebody who's collected cheap Halloween decorations and then at the drop of a hat says, I'll bring them, I'll set them up, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's something very, very hopeful in that, and we're grateful. And so we hope you enjoy the next couple of episodes as well. Thanks to both of you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just to those listening, blessings on your work and your vocation. Rector's Cupboard is a production of Reflector Project and is hosted and produced by Todd Weeb, Allison Williams, and Amanda Mina. Our cupboard master is Ken Bell. Rector's Cupboard is made possible by the generous support of donors. Check out rectorscupboard.ca for past episodes, events, and how you can help fund the podcast. You can also support Rector's Cupboard by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which helps other people find us. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.